0: Gross Point Blank is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Like, um, if you're going to be in Vegas this weekend and need tickets to what is a tremendous UFC 245 card, find them on GameTime. It's a great place to do it. You want to see this card, as you'll hear later in the show. We, we break down this card in a real way, and you'll be feeling pretty sorry if you miss it. Uh, the GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you every week as we do on The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts, of course, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. Uh, appreciate your support on that. Rate, review, listen, subscribe. Helps out the show quite a lot. Um, we have a fun show for you this week. I was down in Huntington Beach uh, on Tuesday and had a chance to interview Quentin Rampage Jackson. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to right off the top do a mea culpa here. So, The Athletics has been kind enough to give me this really sweet Zoom recorder that's, like, actually awesome. It's like a radio studio in the palm of your hand. Um, I have not mastered the thing, and somehow I screwed up the recording of this Rampage interview. But... A little piece of advice for any aspiring journalist or anybody here. Always have a backup. I had a backup. It was on my phone. So the quality is not great. I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. But just from what it could have been, you know, a little bit bummed that I screwed that up. But nonetheless, we, we get about 10 minutes with Rampage Jackson. And uh, it's always fun. It, it's, it's neat to connect with Rampage, who has experienced uh, about as unique a career in mixed martial arts as we've ever seen. Um, one of... One of the first real personalities to emerge, I think, um, after the year two thousand. In fact, I was at his some I, like I was at his earliest King of the Cage fight. Was King of, King of the Cage four was the first King of the Cage that I ever covered, which was in the summer of two thousand, and Quinton fought Marvin Eastman. You remember Marvin Eastman was a UFC veteran, very tough fighter. Quinton actually lost that fight, but um, he he put on a hell of a war and, and showed what he was made of. And so you know, I think if you Go through the totality of his career and and what he accomplished and everything else. Um, I, I'm not sure there's a lot of people out there like Quentin. He was at the forefront of entertainment. He did the movie with the A Team. He certainly had his moments in the press, the negative moments, everything with the remember that incident with his monster truck. Uh, he was in major fights, won them, lost them. You know, so he's a he's a character, and it's always a good chat with with Quentin. You know, I I think Quentin and I know each other in a way that um he well let's just put it this way that i was on the flight when he flew to japan the first time to fight sakuraba i was basically with him and i you know i remember being around him and he is in a lot of ways he's a very similar man to the guy who got in the plane that day in other ways he's not in other ways he's grown quite a bit and he's changed and so i had fun exploring that a little bit in 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 the 10 minutes that i shared with quentin and so I, i hope you uh I hope you enjoy that interview. Again, apologies for the quality on that. Uh, we don't want to do that. We want it to sound good. We do. Um, they gave me this equipment, and I, I, I need to master this stuff. So, either way, uh, the point of it is um, always have a backup. And because of the backup, we get to listen to Quinn Rampage Jackson. So, uh, on the other side, UFC 245. Okay. Clearly, this is uh, a great way for the UFC to end the pay per view cards for 2019. One of the best cards, period of the year, for a multitude of reasons. Three title fights. We'll get all into that in the final segment and and what you can expect on Saturday in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. Um, I am Josh Gross. You're listening to Gross Point Blank. Josh Gross with Quentin Rampage Jackson. This is a nice gym we're sitting in, the Ultimate Training Center in Huntington Beach. You've you've trained a lot of facilities over your years. Yeah. And any, uh, any famous training memories from you? You're getting ready for another fight, Fedora Malyenko. But yeah. as you work your way through camps and got yourselves ready, some were better than others, weren't
1: they? Yeah, but, you know, man, I try to block all my training camps out. I forget about them. I put that behind me. As soon as I get done with one training camp, I try to forget about it.
0: What uh, do you feel about your situation now in mixed martial arts? You're 41. Yeah. Are you at heavyweight now for good? This is where you uh, go finish your career? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
1: Honestly, I, I rather I rather um, bring sexy back and, and lose some weight and get back in shape like where I used to be. That's that's what I'd rather do. I rather doing I just teamed up with uh, Coach Kyle at the training zone, training lab, and uh, I I think that um I think that he can help me get back to where I, where I'm supposed to be. Uh, After training with him for like like uh, well, six weeks or something like that, and I already did a blood test and said that my, my, my thyroid is, is no longer screwed up. I don't know how you fix a thyroid, but it's working.
0: Yeah. So you feel as good as you felt in a while?
1: I, I haven't felt as good in a long time. And this guy got me doing stuff that i never done before. I've, I've never trained this hard before in my life when I was a college athlete. This is the, like the stricter or whatever you call it, whatever you, the guy has me doing. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then he got me training uh, with little guys, like, you know, Juan Achilleta and, and killer shot. And I'm keeping up with the little guys. I don't know how, me being a heavyweight, keeping up with these little guys.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you're gonna walk into this fight around 265? Is that, is that right? Yeah, probably, yeah,
1: probably 265.
0: So that's 60 pounds down to 205 if you're gonna get there. That's, that's, that's quite the mission.
1: That's a lot. That's yeah. A, that's a lot. That's, that'll probably take a couple months.
0: What's the motivation to do that? Just to look good in a bathing suit again? Like what, what's your, what do you want to do?
1: Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I don't really care about, it cause Fighting, you know, when when you train for a fight, you, you can't just train for looks. You don't have when you train for a fight, you don't have time to train to look good. So you got to train for performance as well, right? So you know, after I get done fight I want to concentrate more on doing movies. So so maybe even after my fighting career, maybe when I decide to just train to look good
0: you think about what mixed martial arts has brought you, you've had quite the life because of it, because you found this sport, yeah. you think? Um, go back to 2001 and going to Japan that first time and sort of not knowing and understanding this world and stepping into mm-hmm. it. You must feel like you know so much more about the fight world oh, now yeah. than, than that kid did. Well, what were some of the lessons that you would tell Rampage from 2001 about what the business is like and, and ha- what, what to look out for?
1: I'd be like, don't trust nobody. People want your money. People steal your money. <laughs> that's why I tell her favorite.
0: <laughs> And that's been your experience.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, man. What's... Uh, what, uh, did you survive? I mean, you made it? It seems oh, like, yeah. it seems like oh, you they did not well. They
1: didn't steal all my money.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, you know, but they stole some. They stole enough to where, you know, if I wasn't uh, a, a man that respected the you know the most high God, I probably would have killed him.
0: Mm-hmm. You would have blacked out. You would have been the rampage rampager, blacked out.
1: No, I'll put it you know yeah. if i wasn't the man i am i would have killed him yeah. i want have blacked out. i wouldn't i don't know exactly what. i somebody steal millions of dollars from me, yeah you know what i'm saying like if you from the street like where i'm from like you just you just kill them you do your time in jail and stuff like that but you like well, you know they stole millions but me my, my life is worth more than than the money they stole from me you know i have i have kids you know what i'm saying so it, it like you know you think about it you know what i'm saying you think about it like but do I kill the people for stealing this money from me or do I just continue
0: doing what I'm doing raise my kids, make more money?
1: I can make more money.
0: That's a mature Rampage Jackson. Right. But that was not you when I met you in 2001.
1: No, yeah, 2001 I probably would killed
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. What's your fondest memory of Japan from a fight or non-fight scenario? When you think about Japan, it brings you a smile. What is it?
1: I, well, my most fondest memory about Japan, like when I lost to Sakuraba, the fans, still was like going crazy trying to give me high five and one girl gave me an ear job an ear job man i was i've been looking for that girl ever since
0: <laughs> how's that different than a wet willy what, what is an ear job
1: she didn't put her fingers in my ear no she it's... sucked on my earlobe oh. and that was the strangest thing ever
0: like in saitama super arena
1: yeah somebody had me on their shoulders carrying me out of the arena and everybody's giving me high five and she wanted, no okay. This is like, I remember exactly. Everybody was giving me five. You know the, the bleachers go up, uh-huh. and she couldn't touch me. And so one guy was like, "I was just going to walk. I was tired. You know, I was just going to go back there. I just I couldn't touch her." And one guy was like, "Man, the girl want to touch your hand? Give it." He put him on the shoulder, and and I tried to touch her hand, and she came in for a kiss. And I'm like, "I don't know you," and she and I turned, and she gave me a ear job, and I was
0: like, "Ooh, I like that." Memphis, Tennessee, Randy Page Jackson, but you connected with the Japanese audience so well. It's just such them, a man. different culture. How, how did you connect with people that really you couldn't identify with?
1: I don't know, man. I just I just I, I feel off energy, you know, so they have they, they have good energy. Like most of the people there are really good people, you know, so they don't they don't want nothing for you from you. Like they're a fan of you. They give you stuff. They give you gifts and, and stuff. And, and, and when, when they ask you how's your condition, they really care. They really mean they're not. They're not asking you stuff just to make conversation like how we do in America, you know, how you, hey, how you doing? And somebody tell you how they're doing and if it's not what you want to hear, you like, shut the hell up, I didn't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that over there. If they ask you how you doing, they really want to know how you doing. You know what I'm saying? They're just real people and, and, and I like that. And, and so I, I, you know, I, you know, I just connected with them and, and you know I respect them and they're my favorite fans.
0: December 29th, you'll have a chance to compete in front of them again against the legend Fedor Milenko. He is not someone that you wanted to fight, right? There was never an impulse for you to, to face him. No,
1: but, no. But all my career, is like, I've never been the type of guy that want to fight people. I want people I really, like, care to fight out, people who already beat me once. I'm like, oh, I want to fight him again. The well, then, I don't care. is my job.
0: I remember when you fought Igor Pocantin and we had a conversation before that fight. That fight made you nervous.
1: Yeah, I was nervous about Eagle Volchanin back then. Yeah,
0: what was a lot? Do you still feel that way about fights? Or certain fights bring that out of you? Do you feel that about Fatal? I
1: don't know. I I, I've been in so many more fights since then. Like back when I fought Eagle Volchanin, the reason why I was nervous about Eagle Volchanin because that was like a two weeks notice fight, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know he was knocking everybody out, and I haven't haven't, you know I haven't been training like, like Pride just sprung that fight on me in like two weeks, like. I, I felt like I wasn't prepared, but, you know, when I'm prepared for a fight, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I normally don't get nervous until, like, the, the day, the morning of, of the fight, but the second time when I fought Chuck trouble I got nervous two weeks out, so I don't understand. It's just weird things.
0: When you look at Fedor in the eyes, what are you expecting to feel? What are you expecting to see in him?
1: Uh, I know is going to bring it. I know he's going to come and uh, and, and try to knock try me out. You know, uh, he he needs a knockout. And you know, but Fedor is a good dude. He's a good guy. And for him, it's just him. It's just a sport. It's just a job. You know what I'm saying? He just, you know, it's just it's just a battle. And, and you know, I'm not expecting anything. I I'm not expecting anything. I I know Fedor's going to come try to knock me out. So we step inside that, that ring rainbow the cage.
0: You're 41. He's 43. Mm-hmm. Do the expectations change, or is when two fighters get together, regardless of what they where they are in life, what their ages are, you still carry that feeling? And then you have to have a certain thing that you've carried from the very beginning, right? I mean, or, or or are you totally different in the way that you approach the fight? See,
1: this is the thing about uh, me and Fedor. You guys can tell, like we we are fighters. We're, I know I was born to be a fighter, so I, I assume the same for him. No matter how old we get, we still have that fight inside of us. And, you know, it don't matter. Once once you once you made for this sport once you've made a fighter, you know, you always want to have that fight inside you. So when he step inside there, he, he not, he's not going to be focusing on how old he is on what he can't do good anymore. I don't think he's going to be focused on is probably like knocking me out, getting me out of there. Same thing I'm going to be focusing on. Like we when, when we're in there, we're in the moment. We're not looking at the fight the way the fans are. Like, oh, these, these two guys are over the hill. These two guys are as these two guys are slowed down. They're not like what they used to be. We don't think like that. We 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 still love doing what we do. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot more fans should like respect that about us. Like we still doing what we love to do. Who gives a fuck about our age? You know, we still in there. We still doing what only one percent of the population even have the balls to do. But now we're old men still doing it. You know, we, we was made for we was made for this.
0: Welcome back to Gross Point Blank. Thanks again to Quentin Rampage Jackson for taking the time. Good stuff there, right? I mean, Fedor Omelienko is an all-time great fighter. I'm not sure I would call Quentin Rampage Jackson an all-time great fighter. He's an all-time great personality, an all-time great character in this sport who at certain stages of his career was an unbelievable fighter who could test anybody, could stand in against anybody. But, you know, he was always a less than skilled, more of a brawler type. And he got away with a lot of deficiencies because of how tough he was and how dangerous he was um you know i i think he got to the height of the sport for a lot of reasons uh and work ethic not really one of them but he just is so talented and always had that natural ability um but it, but relying on that cost him right he, ne- he never 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 got to the the peak the peak 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 and, and had a long run that they're not gonna chuck liddell notwithstanding holding that title but then you lose to forrest griffin and it's sort of like you know Five steps forward, three steps back. This kind of motion throughout his career I think stops Quinn Jackson from being considered an all-time great fighter. Who's an all-time great fighter? Well, maybe some of the fighters on UFC 245. Uh, I think you can make a case that Max Holloway, with a few more wins here, a little bit more longevity, is an all-time great fighter. Um, Already one of the best featherweights we've ever seen. Amanda Nunes... She might be the greatest female fighter we've ever seen, and there's an argument uh, where she ranks all time, right? I mean, I, I think some early struggles in her career, some losses, a little up and down before she found herself. And post Rousey, it's just been an incredible run. Kamara Usman, I mean, who's to say? I, I wrote a big profile on Kamara Usman that that ran on the Athletic on Wednesday, and I get into some of this idea of like how he started his career is at the upper, upper, upper echelon of some of the greatest fighters we've seen in the history of the UFC. OK, so he's 10 and 0 in his first 10 UFC fights. There's not a lot of people who have done that. And, you know, to maintain that kind of run uh, is going to be very difficult in that weight class. But if he does, yeah, then we're talking about someone who could be among the greatest of all times. I mean, welterweight division stacked with them. We think of George St. Pierre. Usman is someone who now couches himself, views himself in that mold of a GSP. And let's remember, GSP in his first 10 UFC fights, he lost two of them, right? So Usman has not done that. Uh, to round it out here, Anderson Silva won 16-0. I, I included Hoist Gracie, who won his first 11. Obviously, you know, check that for their eras and things like that. Uh, and John Jones, if you're not going to look at the Matt Hamill defeat as a defeat, you know, it was disqualification, highly questionable. Most officials say, you know what, he really shouldn't have been disqualified for that. He's a, he's at twenty one and zero now, and that so that that streaks sort of unparalleled and, and ridiculous. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov is right there as well; he's twelve and zero. So you're talking about like upper upper echelon, putting your stamp down on your where you belong in the UFC. And you know Usman's Usman's got that. Of course, he's main eventing this card at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas Saturday night on pay per view against Colby Covington. Three title fights on here: Max Holloway against Alexander Volkanovsky. Tremendous fight. Amanda Nunes against Jermaine Durandamy is a fight that not a lot of people are expecting much from the challenger. Um, They've fought before. Amanda crushed her. Amanda's been on this tear. You know, it kind of feels like it's being slept on. It's one of those fights like, the sport's so crazy, you never quite know what's going to happen. So three title fights to close out that card. A bunch to pay attention to on the undercard. Uh, I'm not going to pay too much time on the UFC fight pass portion. There's four bouts there. Um, Always good to sort of kickstart an event hoping those early prelims uh bring some action bring some intensity i would expect they would but then it jumps to espn2 on the prelims and there's some fights worth talking about here um look I, you let's just go up and down the card okay um welterweight matt brown against ben saunders two veterans two guys have been around forever uh expect a pretty violent fight matt brown uh, i think seeking some new lease on life uh, Mark Coleman actually told me that he'll be in Matt Brown's corner for this fight. That he's been working with Brown. Uh, that's a first in a long time for Mark Coleman. He's super excited to be with the Ohio guy, and you know that's that all pretends good things for Matt Brown, who who I think is a, the better situation than Ben Saunders at this stage of their careers. And so uh, you know I, I would I would think Brown does well here. Ian Heinzich against uh, Omari. Ekmedov. Look, Ian Heinzich coming back after a loss in August that didn't go his way against Derek Brunson. It was a hard fight for him. Uh, this was on the uh, Stipe Miosic DC rematch card in Anaheim. And it, it, it wasn't Heinzich's best night, but he handled it very well. This is a guy with the backstory that I think a lot of people know about, his troubles with the law. Uh, really sort of like a wild story that they're trying to package for a movie deal. Uh, and And it's going to require him sort of getting back on the train here and winning. And against uh, Amari Akhmadov, you know, it's possible. He hasn't fought the toughest level of competitions, got some decisions against some decent guys, Tim Boch, you know, Marvin Vittori, the draw. Uh, a little up and down in his UFC career, but he's undefeated in his last five, including the draw to Vittori. And you know, the return to middleweight, he's he's looked pretty decent. Um, I am not sure on who wins this fight, but I would think that Heinzitch's aggressiveness will factor here. And uh, it, should be, it shouldn't be a snooze fest. I would I would expect it not to be. Uh, I really like this fight at 135 pounds between Kel and Irene Aldana. Aldana is someone who has tried to get her feet underneath her in the UFC. Didn't come from a grappling experience. Much more of a kickboxer striker. And she's paid for that in some instances. Hasn't been the most dynamic fighter. She's had some moments. You know, Betch Correa was a super fun fight to watch. And winning by armbar there in the... In the Late part of the third round, I think, really reminded people of why she's someone that um, came into the UFC with a decent amount of hype and uh, was expected to do well. Like her and Alexa Grasso were the Mexican fighters who were going to kill it in the UFC, right? They were going to elevate from the women's side Mexican MMA. Hasn't quite happened with either of them. Growing pains with both. Uh, But Aldana coming off a win against Vanessa Mello. Uh, it was a catchweight because Melo missed the weight. But here at 135 against Ketlin Vieira, th- this is the toughest fight for my money that Aldana has faced thus far. Vieira, undefeated Brazilian, excellent in a lot of places, just in terms of her grappling and striking. Uh, a, a pretty talented fighter. I mean, really, really is. Uh, it's been a while she's, since she's competed though, okay? And, you know, ring rust is a real thing. Um, uh, you know, you're talking about a knee injury situation coming off of that. I you know, I, I think I think she's the the fighter to do it. Now, she beat a Katsangana who was really struggling. Uh, the arm triangle against Sarah McMahon was dominant. You don't really see Sarah McMahon physically outworked that way. She's been hit. She's been hurt. But just, you know, just to be dominated the way that she was uh, by Vieira said a lot to me. And so I, I like Ketlin to get back on the horse here and win this fight. Um, I, I think it's a, a good opportunity for her to do that. Aldana is not going to go away easily. She's much better prepared for a fight like this than she was a couple years ago. And so I, I would think that this would be competitive. But in the end, Vieira finds a way to win. The prelim action on ESPN2 closes out with what should be just a, a wild fight. I mean, anytime you talk about Mike Perry fight, it is. I think anytime you talk about Jeff Neal now, people are like, oh, wow, that's that's the fight I got to I gotta see. Okay, He's coming off a pretty hectic performance against Nico Price. Nico, again, is one of these guys who just, you know, he's a, he's a how do you call it? I'm thinking of like a base jumper, right? These guys who like jump off skyscrapers in the middle of cities just to do it. Sure, most of the time it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's always insane to watch, right? And that's kind of like a Nico Price fight, a Jeff Neal fight, a Mike Perry fight. And Neal and Perry is, is I think, uh, well-placed to get people fired up before this pay-per-view kicks off if people need to be fired up, quite honestly, because all five fights on the pay-per-view portion are are highly watchable. Some have enormous stakes. I think they're all tremendous. And, you know, I I, I would expect heavy, heavy violence in this fight. I think, I think Neil finds Perry, hurts Perry, and probably finishes Perry. Uh, but it could go the other way. And there's always that expectation with a Mike Perry fight. You never really know what you're going to see. You know he's tough. You know he's going to hang in there. You know he's going to throw with power. And... Um, you know, he's he's been up and down. We've seen it. He's he's not a great mixed martial artist. All right. I, I think everybody knows that. But when you have that kind of physicality that have and the attitude, you know, this, the, you know, just don't don't give a fuck. Like when you step into a fight like that, um, you know, things can go your way even when they may not when they're not supposed to, you know, really. And I think I think Neil's the favorite. I haven't looked at the odds. I don't know the odds, but I would I would imagine Neil's the favorite in this fight, and he, he should be. Um, the main event portion, right? The main card. I, I called it the main event portion. It was sort of a Freudian slip because it, there's three fights on here. Surely you could main event most pay-per-views, and then others that would be great co-main events, quite honestly. Uh, I start with the Bantamweight fight between Peter Jan and Uriah Faber. Uh, if you haven't heard the interview that I did with Uriah Faber a few weeks ago, uh, go back and listen. I'll tweet it out as well um we talked a lot about this fight and at his age challenging a young dangerous fighter like peter yan you know what what that entails i this is a hard read i mean faber stepped in against ricky simone and handled him so quick we didn't really get a chance to see faber wilt we didn't get to see fatigue set in we didn't get to see him have to deal with a fight right i i can't imagine him one and dunning peter Yan. I just can't. I can't imagine him stepping in, landing a shot, just sort of doing a walk off. And so, this is going to be a battle of attrition. And the question for me is, can the forty-plus-year-old fighter hang in there against the kid? And I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I. It would be amazing for for for, for Faber to show up and do this. It really would, right? But Peter Yan is someone who I think has been looked at, rightly so, as a future. Championship contender for Bantamweight in the UFC. The Jimmy Rivera fight was excellent. John Dodson was a tough opponent. He handled him, you know, up and down, up and down. He's done very well since entering the UFC and he's shown himself to be well equipped to handle most scenarios. I don't see it as a situation where faber's going to go in and just double leg him and put him down and ground and pound. Him. I, I don't. I don't see that. I think he'll be able to survive if he gets put on his back. I think he'll be able to stand if he gets put on his back. And so for all these reasons, I think. I think the 26-year-old comes out ahead. Um, but it, it should be. It should be good while it lasts. And if Faber pulls off a miracle, I mean, hell, you know what a story that is. California kid doing it again. Of course, Peter calls him the California man. Fair enough. Hard to argue. I guess you know, win win or lose. We uh, look Faber wins; he's the California kid. Jan wins; he beat the California man. I think we I think we can agree on that. Next up here, another fight at 135 pounds, highly intriguing for a lot of reasons. Marlon Marais uh, coming off that really difficult loss against Henry Cejudo. Right, this was a fight that he's fighting the guy coming up in weight. He's looking good. And then he just can't answer the call when Cejudo turns on the turns on the turbocharger, right? When Cejudo basically goes to a different place that he's never been before, and it's a total check on, I am better than you. That's really what it came down to in that fight. Henry, Henry Cejudo flipped the switch and said, I am better than you. I'm not going to lose to you. And then he went out and won. And so that's a lot to cope with if you're Marlon Marais. That's a lot to deal with. It wasn't like a tight, tight, Decision here against Rafael Sandow, right? He he did fine, and then the guy came out and ran over him in the second in the third round, excuse me, and finished him in the third round. But it, it really started, you know, later in the fight. He had it going early. He had it going early. Didn't didn't work out for him. Now he takes on Jose Aldo, and we know everything about Jose Aldo. Okay, we know everything about Jose Aldo except what he's going to look like and what he's going to fight like at 135 pounds. And I think a lot of people, for very good reason are dreading the idea of what he's going to look like on the scale on Friday. Does that sound fun to you? I, I don't think anyone's thinking about that scenario and feeling like, oh man, this is this is good for Jose Aldo. This is a good idea for Jose Aldo. And it's got nothing to do with Marlon Moraes. He could be fighting any bantamweight on the planet. The idea, you must have seen the photos, right? If you haven't seen the photos, go Google them right now. Go Google Google what Jose Aldo looks like weeks out before this fight. And now he's got to make 135, 136, okay? It's hard to feel good about that. And it's hard to know what to make of it. Uh, Take nothing away from Jose Aldo. He's one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen, okay? He knows what he's doing better than we know what I'm doing, okay? Okay. I can say all this stuff about Jose Aldo. You can think all these things about Jose Aldo. He's making the determination on his career, and, and this is this is what he wants to do. This is the best-case scenario for him. This is the best move forward, right? He's had enough of 45, apparently, in the near term. And uh, it's it's disappointing a little bit. It's disappointing. Look, I, I know that he, he went three hard rounds against Alexander Volkanovsky. That was a close fight. That was not a fight that he got ran over. Volkanovski is about to fight Max Holloway. Volkanovski can win that fight. Like there's no shame in losing to Alexander Volkanovski. He lost twice to, to Max Holloway. Goes out and stops Jeremy Stevens and Hinata Moikano. Not an easy guy to stop. Looked great doing it. Looked great, actually. So the decision is like a little confounding. Even after having a tight fight against Alex- Alexander Volkanovski to drop 10 pounds. 10 pounds from 45 to 35 is a huge deal. Jose Aldo had trouble making 45 like early in his career. He figured it out. But brother, I don't know. It's nerve-wracking. It's a nerve-wracking fight to watch. It's a nerve-wracking fight to build up to on Friday to see what he's going to be like on the scale. Um, I think you have to pick Marlon Marais in this fight. The variables are too great with Aldo. If Aldo goes out there and beats Marlon Marais and puts him in his place, holy crap. I mean, not that you need any more like proof of how great a fighter he's been over the course of his career. Not untouchable, not unbeatable, but great. If he goes down to 35 in this moment and beats Marlon Moraes, who's a hell of a fighter, I mean, I think it just says everything about anything you could ever say positive about Aldo. And for Marais, coming off a very difficult situation that he was in against Cejudo, mentally, you know, mentally that was hard on him. It really was, and it should be because he was a competitor and winning mattered a lot to him. Um, You got to go out and beat Jose Aldo in this spot. And you got to look pretty good doing it, I think. You got to assert yourself over Aldo, so tricky fight. But I, I think you got to go, Marias. I think you got to go. Now the three title fights. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure there's a lot of people picking Jermaine Duranemi. If they're doing it, it's because of a gut instinct. Just a, you know, I just, I just kind of feel an upset. I mean, that would be the reason to pick Jermaine Duranemi in this fight. There's nothing in her record. There was nothing in that first fight against Amanda Nunes. There's nothing really that suggests that she's on Amanda's level in mixed martial arts. Great kickboxer. Fine, this isn't kickboxing. This is MMA, okay? Where does she win the fight? Tactically, if Amanda makes mistakes, if Amanda says, hey, you know what? I'm just going to stand and strike with this person. I got to prove a point. She can get caught. She can get hit. No question about it. But I think we'll see the mixed martial artist Amanda Nunes emerge, show up. That's the difference. You know, she's she's totally content standing with anybody. She did with Chris Cyborg. I'm not saying that Jermaine Durandomy is a scarier test than Chris Cyborg. But Cyborg could wrestle, and Cyborg can do submissions, and she's incredibly savvy. Jermaine, she's been around the game for about 10 years, 11 years. She's a good fighter. But everybody knows where her strengths are. Everybody identifies her weaknesses. And you would think that Amanda Nunes would not feel like she has anything to prove to anybody, okay? She's not going to feel like I have to go out there and strike with Jermaine Duran and, and win the fight that way. I don't think she's going to do that. I think this is a more of a varied contest. Mix it up. Mix it in takedowns. Takedowns beget better striking opportunities then she can finish on the feet. Whatever it is, I, I, th- I think the champion retains. It'd be pretty shocking if she didn't. The co-main event, if we're couching it that way, Max Holloway and Volkanovsky. I mean, there's a lot to really love in this fight. Okay? Max Holloway, we know what he's made of. We know how talented he is. We understand now that this is a man. Okay? A lot of us, I still think, remember Max Holloway the kid. This is a man now who's come into his own physically, who has been in wars, who's as experienced as anybody in the game, whose volume punching presents problems for anybody whose ground game and submissions and everything else that he does makes him one of the best fighters on the planet. And here comes this guy, Alexander Volkanovsky, who most people would not have heard of, at least until the last couple years. And he's been excellent in the UFC. He's done everything that the promotions asked of him. He's stood up every time. He's put on some tremendous wins, earned some really good stoppages. But there's no doubt about it that this Holloway fight is a step up, even from the Aldo fight. This is five rounds. Aldo lost twice to Holloway. You know, I I, I think I, there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to pick Alexander Volkanovsky in this fight. And yet there are a few that stand out for maybe why you do. And one thing that I just realized is that Volkanovsky, who is 5'6", taking on Holloway, who is 5'10", or 5'11", Volkanovsky has the reach advantage. How rare is that to see the shorter fighter by at least four or five inches, okay, have the reach advantage, especially a guy in Holloway who uses his length. Now, he fights longer than maybe what his reach indicates. I mean, he's brilliant from the outside. He understands how to make his reach as long as possible. But the fact that Volkanovsky's reach is longer by two inches was kind of stunning to me. And what that says is that Holloway's not going to have such an easy time from the outside, that there's danger zone from standing out there. Against Volkanovski, who's not going to have that try, he's not going to have to try that hard to wing shots, land those huge overhand rights that people get in them, get in trouble with when they fight someone like Holloway, who uses length. Volkanovski, with those long arms, can land shots. He can get inside to do tie-ups. He can get into the clinch. All sorts of areas. I think physically, because of who he is, can present some problems for for Holloway. And it, it's fun to think about this fight. Um, I. I I think I'm picking Holloway, but of the three title fights, this is the hardest one for me to pick. A guy who's on a huge roll. Holloway's had lots of wars, been through them, come out pretty pretty all right on the other side. Some current concerns about his health along the way. He's answered those. Um you know, I I think the self-belief and the desire that Volkanovsky has, coming from the camp that he's got and the momentum that they have. Man, I, uh, I am tempted to pick Alexander Volkanovsky to beat Max Holloway, but I'm not going to do it. I think Holloway finds a way in a war, in a real war. A war that leaves both guys in rough shape afterwards. I think both fighters will pay physical prices in this contest. That's, that's what my expectation is. But Holloway finds a way. Holloway finds a way. And for me personally, I'm intrigued by this fight. I will be in Hawaii on Saturday. And I'm going to find a place in Oahu to watch a Max Holloway fight. And that's fun. Uh, anybody got an idea of where's the best place to do it, email me, please, Gross at theathletic.com. Send out, uh, give me a heads up. Where's the best place to watch Max Holloway fight in Oahu? Let me know. I'll be there. The main event, I mean, for so many reasons, Kamar Usman and Colby Covington is fun. And for so many reasons, it is just the most cringeworthy fight, right? And for so many reasons, it is tactically Amazing to think of what this contest looks like. I, this fight hits all the numbers, all the boxes, checked off, boom, okay? This fight gives you everything that you want. They hate each other, and like legitimately, okay? There are so many things to play with this fight. I think it's it's smart to sort of break it down to its most basic elements here. Um, it's easy to say that they're very similar and, and, and there are similarities Okay, they both can wrestle both high volume fighters they both can strike they are determined driven they're both 15 and 1 uh, they're excellent they're excellent fighters in a lot of ways they do mirror one another but there are small differences that make huge impacts in fights And when you're talking about fighters that are this close to one another, this similar to one another, you know, those differences, some can be really pronounced, some can be like tiny, 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 but they can have enormous effect, right? So, so much of Covington's game is predicated on takedown, pressure, pressure, takedown, stand, strike. Oh, you got to worry about the takedown. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll strike with you, right? That's Covington's game. Usman's much more direct. Usman is a physical force. I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to bully you. I'll, I'll, I'll strike you if I need to, and I'll take you down. But you know what? I don't have to worry about you taking me down because no one takes me down. He has a 100% takedown defense rate in the UFC. And if Covington can't, in a big way, alter that idea, right? If he can't force Usman now into a calculation in his mind where he has to worry about takedowns because takedowns are effective against him in this fight. All of a sudden, he's got to fight off his back in his fight and scramble and get up and stand and make that part of his thinking, which alters his striking. If if Covington doesn't have success planting that in Usman's mind very early, he's going to have a hard time. He's going to have a hard time physically. He's going to have a hard time lasting with the pace that he puts up. He's going to have a hard time dictating, dictating his game plan. I, I don't see how he can manage to fight the way that he wants to fight if he can't force Usman to his back and then keep him there. That's, that's the deciding factor in this contest. And I just, the more that I think about this fight and as I go over it, like I can't imagine him doing that. Can, can he briefly handle Usman and like maybe lift him up and maybe dump him? Yeah. Can he hold him down on the ground? I don't think so. And I think he's even going to have a hard time like getting him down, period. This is this is what Covington is dealing with, and it's the, and it's the one question he's really going to have to answer in this fight. Is there a question that Usman has to answer? Maybe pace. Maybe if Covington comes to the realization early that you know what takedowns aren't going to be it, I just have to swarm this guy with pace and energy. You know, Usman maybe wilt under that a little bit. I could I could see that. Not as easily as I can see Covington getting shut down though, and. You know, that's kind of where the fight lays. I don't want to hear anything after this fight that this was a boring fight or it was a tactical fight. Please just stop with that. I don't, they can stare at each other for 25 minutes and I don't want to hear it. Because when you're talking about two fighters who are so similar and so programmed to dislike one another and have so much riding on the line, the intensity of that 25 minutes between them, even if the action is lacking, is going to be enough for me. That's like sit-on-the-edge-of-your-seat stuff, no matter what. You know, and, and yeah, none of these guys really have one-shot knockout power. Usman more than Covington. I don't think we're going to see a one-shot knockout. Again, this just feels like a battle of attrition between two guys who will not stop. They just will not stop. That's, that's got all the makings of just like a really grinding, physical, intense. It's the kind of fight that you're going to feel tired afterwards when watching, I think. A lot of clinch, a lot of tiring, a lot of trying to weaken the guy's arms, a lot of holding, a lot of fighting in the clinch, a lot of hitting in the clinch. But I don't think it's just going to be that. I think they will fight at distance. I think there will be takedown scrambles, all sorts of stuff. If Colby's got an edge, now I'm sort of talking it through, he might be the faster fighter. And that serves him well here. If he can use the speed, get in and out, pepper Usman, make Usman uncomfortable standing, maybe takedowns come easier that way. But he does have a speed advantage. It'll suffer some against just this brick wall he's meeting in the center of the cage. It's a hell of a fight. I like Usman to win. I like Usman to retain. And um, he is he is certainly someone who speaks about these sorts of things in terms that feel important. You know, I, I enjoy the chance to talk to Kamar Usman. There's some fighters I like talking more, uh, to more than others. In the few chances that I've had to interview Usman and talk to him, It's been an enjoyable experience. Very smart guy, very well intentioned, and like serious of purpose. And you know, I I appreciate that, and I I think we'll see that all come to bear on Saturday night. I I really do. I I think uh, I think Usman handles him, decision probably, but I think I think Usman wins this fight and retains. So that's UFC 245. It's a hell of a card, and um, it's a great way for the UFC to close out 2019. And, you know, I'm not in the business of like saying you should buy this or don't buy that or whatever. But if you like mixed martial arts, and I assume you do because you're listening to this, there's no reason why you wouldn't watch this card. There's literally no reason why you wouldn't watch this card. It is, it is a tremendous night of mixed martial arts, and it really should uh, get the juices flowing. It has for me, no doubt about it. All right. I hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy 245. Next week will be a lot of uh, Hawaii flavor. I'm in Hawaii for the, both the Bellator cards, but also going to take a little vacation. So we'll uh, we'll be grabbing some content from out there. And I um, always appreciate you listening. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic. We really love you to do that. You can go right now. TheAthletic.com backslash Josh Gross get forty percent off an annual subscription. If you're not quite there yet, you know it's all right. We'll get you at some point, and you'll feel foolish for not doing it now. But Please rate and review and subscribe to Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen. Uh, It helps me. It helps the show. And uh, I'd be appreciative of that. All right. Hope you have a great one. We will catch you next week. I am Josh Gross. You've been listening to Gross Point Blank.